0: Welcome to Leading Lights, you're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there, we've been talking about the power of your testimony. Do you know you have something to say? It's your story, it's unique to you, but it is extremely powerful. The first reason it's powerful is because nobody can argue with your story, it's yours, it's what you feel, feel what happened to you, it's your story. That's the first reason it's so powerful and effective. The second reason is because God has said in his word, Psalm 107, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, and then he gives a description of the power of those words. And at the end, he says, iniquity will shut its mouth when you say your testimony and people will be affected. Testimonies are powerful things, my friend. You may say, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a trained person, but we're gonna look today at a lady who was thought of as an immoral woman and who wasn't highly valued or trusted in her community, but her testimony, her humble, vulnerable, honest, excited testimony changed a whole town. At the end of the story, there is a revival in this town. People are getting healed and saved and delivered. The whole town virtually becomes Christians. It is a mass revival and it starts with one outcast woman not preaching with pride and with perfect eloquent words. No, no. She's simply telling her testimony. Your testimony is special, beautiful, powerful. It's in you and you just need to say it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So in John chapter 4, it says Jesus came to a city of Samaria, or the city of Samaria. It's the same Greek word, a city or the city, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, it was about the sixth hour about midday Jesus comes through the hot dry land and he reaches a well and he sits by this well it's it's a, not far maybe half a mile from the city of Sychar which is called Ascar today a woman of Samaria came to draw water Jesus said to her give me a drink so this first section we're gonna see her encounter with Jesus the second section we're gonna see her testimony how she told others about it but this first bit is her encounter with jesus so she comes to the well at midday many experts say that that was unusual women would go at the beginning and the end of the day to get their water but this lady went at midday which kind of indicates she was a bit of a a social outcast perhaps jesus said to her give me a drink so jesus starts a conversation he has a plan in mind he knows in his spirit from the lord uh, he is the Lord, but the Holy Spirit is is helping him to know that this lady needs living water, that refreshing, forgiving, powerful water that satisfies our soul and he starts the, the conversation by saying, "Give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, "How is it that you being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans Jesus answered and said to her if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you give me a drink You would have asked him and he would have given you living water Jesus turns the conversation very quickly to spiritual things She says sir, you have nothing to draw with the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. This is Jesus telling her that God wants to meet her needs and he loves her. Verse 15, the woman said to her, Sir, Give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Jesus hones in. You know, Jesus is amazing. The way he deals with different people, he knows their need and he finds a way of bringing God's gospel, his forgiveness, his life, his repentance, his truth into every person's situation. He knows the words to say. I pray that you and I would have those words when we speak to people about Jesus. But Jesus says, uh, go and call your husband. I love the way that he he asks questions. He starts with, can I have a drink? But He's not really, I mean, he's asking for a drink, but he's really moving towards a deeper topic. Then he says, go and call your husband. He knows she doesn't have a husband, that she's living with somebody who she's not married to, that she's had broken relationships and it's damaged her inside and she is is needy and hurt. He knows this, but he says, go call your husband because he's drawing her out under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. She answers, he gives a word of knowledge, he says, I I know about your background, and I'm sure he said it with love, uh, because she says, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, you Jews. She's trying to put obstacles and and, uh, arguments in the way. She she knows she's being drawn towards God, but often people will use arguments and, and different things to try and put roadblocks in our way, she says, do we worship here? Do we worship there? Uh, Jesus answered and says, and says to her, the true worshipers. It's not about where you worship. It's about spirit and truth. So he answers very quickly. He gives some truth and some explanation. Um, verse 24, God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. He's pushing into this thing of come to God let him fulfill all your needs and give you living water and forgive your sins and turn your life around the woman said verse 25 suddenly she realizes what's going on this must be the messiah you see the samaritans were not jews but they knew about the messiah the savior that god was going to send who would be a a conquering king to defeat their enemies but also be one who brought forgiveness and restoration. She said to him in verse 25, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And she's opening her heart now. She's she's saying, "Could could you really be him? Could you be the answer? Could you be the one who really sees me and loves me rather than the others in my community who see me but don't love me? Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he says, it's me. I'm the Messiah. At this point, the disciples came and marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the people or the men. So now we're getting onto the testimony part. She's had this encounter with Jesus. We've read the words of the encounter but something very powerful was happening inside of her and we can tell that by what happens next she leaves her water pot her mind is elsewhere she has been completely changed and uh, 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 turned upside down in her thinking she leaves the water pot she runs off back to the city without the thing that she brought to get water kind of means she got the living water. She didn't feel she needed the physical water anymore. But she goes back and she goes into a community where, you know, in this day and age, it was a small community. So everybody knew everybody's business. It was a conservative community. So if you had had five husbands and you were now living with someone, everybody knew that. Everybody knew her background and her shame, if you like. But she runs back to the city and she said to the men or to the people, she was bold enough and influenced by Jesus enough to speak. Now, does she speak a sermon? No, she doesn't know sermons. Does she speak with pride and religious authority like I am now the teacher? No, she doesn't do that. She speaks with humility because she knows that they know all about her life. She's not trying to put on any pretense. And friends, this is a powerful truth for those of us who feel scared to share. Sometimes we think, I don't have the right words. I don't have the moral authority to speak. But your testimony is your testimony. And it has authority in itself as long as it comes with honesty and humility. And this is what she says, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So first of all, she tells them, he told me all the things I ever did. I think she was using a, a shortened phrase to say, he knew all about my problems. He knew about my sins, my failures, my brokenness, my hurt, uh, the fact that I've been searching and I'm an outcast. He knew and he told me all of that. And then she says, could this be the Christ? And thirdly, so first of all, she, she tells the truth of the encounter with, I believe, excitement, with emotion, with genuineness. Even though she was an outcast and was not considered trustworthy, the power of her truthful testimony was very, very powerful. Then she says, could this be the Christ? She asks a question. Just as Jesus had asked her questions to open up a conversation, she asked a question. And questions can be extremely powerful. You know, when you meet somebody, you don't have to talk about Jesus and and preach about Jesus and quote Bible verses right from the start. You can ask questions. You can ask them about their life so that you build A rapport. Jesus built a rapport by saying, can I have a drink? Let's talk about water. You ask questions to build a rapport. You ask questions to find out uh, how they are doing in their search for real living water because everybody's searching for it. It's just some people find it in money or in the world or in various other places. And you ask questions like, what interests you? What's important to you? How is that working for you? They may say something like, I really am pursuing excellence in this field or or this activity. And you can say, how is that working? And you can open their hearts through questions without preaching. She said, could this be the Christ? But then thirdly, she said, come and see. She invited them to see him in, in the context of a community. And today's talk is about the invitation, but it's also about the community. You see, she had been an outcast from her community. She had struggled to link and to relate with partners, husbands, but also with her community. And in Jesus, she found love and acceptance. The disciples came back and she realized there's a community of love here. She goes back to her community, those who know her, those who uh, maybe have judged her. She tells her honest story with excitement, but she makes an invitation to that community to come into her new community. And an invitation in your testimony is powerful. You know, you may not be able to preach the gospel brilliantly or perfectly, you may not have the faith to pray for healing for everyone you meet, but you can invite them to a community called Church where people can do the things you can't do and where they can experience this love and this living water that is flowing. She says, come and see. Then they went out of the city and came to him. What persuasiveness must she have had to convince a whole community to come out of the city and walk half a mile in the heat of the day to see a man that they've never met? She must have told them the story with excitement and with with truth And with passion said he told me this and this and this he told me all the things about my life and the living water come and see and she was so persuasive even though she had no moral authority her truth within her showed them there was something here friends if you are transparent about what jesus has done for you just say i had the most amazing experience at church god healed my child whatever it is god came through with finances you just tell and you invite. If there's truth and humility, people will come. They came to him. Uh, verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. Just her testimony enough, With before they'd even met Jesus, it says many of them believed in Jesus. This is the most amazing thing. A woman who has no real religious or, or moral right to preach tells a story and people believe in Jesus. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. So now community is growing. Their community has been transformed. The presence of Jesus is in their community. What's your community? Maybe it's a workplace. Maybe it's a social club, a sports club. Maybe it's a a group of people who have similar interests. Maybe it's your family, your friends, whatever it is. If you tell the story, you invite them to come to Jesus community called church. Jesus can come into that community and transform it. He stayed with them two days. Many more believed because of his own words. So now people who didn't believe before Because they've spoken to Jesus, now they believe. So that this community is being transformed. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. What a powerful story. But it doesn't end there. In the middle of this, the disciples come to Jesus, and they say, What's going on? Do you need some food? And Jesus says... Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. I just want to close with this concept that evangelism, reaching the world for Christ, is a team effort. It's not an individual effort. We pass the baton to other people. And sometimes you will tell your testimony to your community, your friends, your family, and no result seems to happen. And in this case, there was a result. But in Acts chapter 8, just a little bit later, a few years later, it says that Philip... The evangelist went to the same town. It says um, in verse 5, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria. And it's exactly the same phrase as in John chapter 4. The city of Samaria in Greek. It's the same words. And preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Then they called uh, Peter and John from Jerusalem. They came, they laid hands. There was an extraordinary Revival. Thousands would have been baptized and saved and healed, and that whole region was changed a few years later. Now, this is the same place, but some of the people from that first encounter with the woman's testimony and Jesus staying for two days, there was a bit of time elapsed, and some did not believe, maybe some fell away. And later, Philip comes and he sees this amazing harvest and he reaps this harvest. But Jesus said to the disciples, he who sows and he who reaps work together. And it may be that you reap something that somebody else's testimony has sown. Somebody else may have prepared the ground of a person and you tell them the gospel and they become a believer. It's not your work. It's God's work. Paul says that one plants, another waters, but it is God who gives the increase. We are all part of this. And don't be discouraged if you don't see the results right now. And don't be proud if you see results and you think it's all you. Because it's God who's working through many people in a relay fashion. We pass the baton to the next one, to the next one. And God is working. This whole community was transformed. Let me summarize what happened. There was a lady who had a community she struggled in that community she struggled greatly she found jesus and he gave her forgiveness and life and a refreshing living water it changed her so much and she realized he and his disciples were a new community she went back to her previous community she told them with truth and humility and she invited them to his community he then came in and spent two days with them. that whole place was transformed but it was only fully and finally transformed years later when Philip and Peter and John went and preached the gospel the people were baptized they were then filled with the Holy Spirit and the whole process was completed the circle was completed now let me ask you my dear friend and I'm challenging myself at the same time where am I in this story Who is my community that doesn't know Jesus yet? Have I had an encounter with Jesus like this woman did, where he has given me living water and changed my life, acceptance, forgiveness, and turned me onto a new path? Have I gone back with honesty and humility and bravery to be able to tell my community my story? Not to preach, but to tell my story. And have I seen Jesus affect people? And even if I don't see it, I trust that God is working through the process. And I'm sowing seeds and God is working in people's lives. And then lastly, we pray. You know, Jesus said in this passage that the fields are white for harvest. You say there's still four months until harvest. The fields are white. In another place, he said a very similar thing. He said, the fields are ready for harvest, but pray to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers. Friends, I'm praying for you. You may say, I'm not a qualified laborer. This woman was not a qualified laborer. Your testimony, your simple testimony, your honest testimony is all that is required. And lastly, I just want to say, if you haven't met this lovely Jesus, you've heard the story today and you haven't met him. He is right there with you in that room right now. And he's saying, I want to give you living water. I want to turn your life around. I want to give you a new community, love, and acceptance. I want to forgive your sins, and I want to give you a new testimony and a new community. Pray this prayer with me Lord Jesus, thank you for your living water that not only refreshes, but washes me clean of sin. I need it, Lord. Please forgive me and wash me. Please fill me up with your living water. And please give me your power and your passion to be able to go out and change the world around me. Amen. Friends, we at leadinglightsnetwork.com would love to help you. We'd love to hear from you. If you prayed that prayer or for any other reason, get in touch with us. And we want to help you be a leading light. Just somebody who tells your story in your community. And we want to give you the resources to see communities changed for Jesus. God bless you.
1: Coming up now, this is Susan's story. Many years ago, my life was in crisis. And then quite late in life, I discovered that I could paint. So I took up painting and I started painting. And I made friends with a a, a lady there. And one day she said to me, um, after after several years, she said, Susan, why don't you come on an alpha course? And I thought, gosh, what is that? She said, it's an open forum where people meet together to discuss their ideas about God. And I have to say that when she put that to me, I had to realize it had been a long time since I'd had any thought about God, whether he was in my life or whether he wasn't. He just was that sort of vague memory, really. So I went to this Alpha course, and I had a little list of questions because I'd said I wanted evidence because I don't believe in the Holy Conception. I I, I don't understand the Immaculate Conception. Also, I don't understand who this Holy Ghost is. I think it's a creature like Casper, And also, I don't believe in the resurrection. So these various people sat there and they said, well, that's okay, Susan, yeah, that's fine. We can take you through this. And lo and behold, there were these videos presented by a gentleman called Nick Gumble. He presented the actual fact and evidence that I had been seeking, the written in Hebrew and in Greek testimonies of the people who had witnessed these events. So I completed the um, the 12 week course, which I thoroughly enjoyed and I was very grateful. I met really, really super people. One of the gentlemen came up to me who'd been on this course and he said, okay, Susan, your next next task is to go and go church hunting. And then quite by accident, I met another friend of mine and she said to me, have you heard of Lighthouse? And I said, no, no, I, I don't know that one, where's that? And the welcome I received was just so overwhelming. It was a it was it was beautiful. And the worship moved me and um, yeah, and I thought, yeah, this is it, this is my church. This is definitely it. And it's continued to, en- to enable me to connect, to do something which I made me realize that all my life, i sort of had this God on a pedestal is the right word. He was something beyond my reach. It was something that required devotion and obligatory prayers. And what I am learning, of course, is is that I am connected now to this supernatural man called Jesus. And it's becoming like a friend. And many, many of my fellow people in the congregation are much younger than I am. But nevertheless, I'm welcomed in, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm treated like one of the girls, which is, which is flattering, but it's lovely. And I love it. I love everything about it. And my daughter, who um, also has come to the church and um, is able to come, and she has, and I, of course, and I was baptized, I was baptized by Greg after, I think, perhaps two years, perhaps it was two. And my daughter, she comes now and she has been baptised. And my grandchildren and my other members of my family, they come occasionally, but they let me um, tell them. They're always interested in what I'm doing and what I'm hearing. So it's being involved within my family. And I am now feel it's like an extension of my family. And it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have been invited If somebody hadn't said to me, Susan, will you come on an alpha course? Or, Susan, will you come here?
0: Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.